This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And remember to find out more about the show, like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear On Air. My next guest is president of Strategic Communications for the Chicago Community Trust and author of a new children's book called Stella and the Mystery of the Missing Tooth. It's our pleasure to welcome Clotilde Ewing to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning, Clotilde. How are you? Welcome to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm great. How are you? I'm actually doing great. Thanks for asking. Now, I understand that you are an Ohio native. Is that right? I'm Ohio, born and raised, and I still call uh, Cleveland home. I was born and raised in Cleveland, Shaker Heights to be specific, uh, (laughs) and though I haven't lived there in probably 25 years, it's still home to me. I still root for Cleveland sports teams, and uh, I'm trying to convert my kids. All right, there you go. Good luck with that, especially with those Browns. Thank okay. You. I know, I know, I know, I know. They will win before I die. They will win the Super Bowl before I die. I'm convinced of it. All right. Now, before we talk about the new book, the exciting new book, let's talk about your exciting career. You had the opportunity to work with some amazing people, including Oprah Winfrey and President Obama. Let's start with your connection with Oprah. Tell us about the work you did with Oprah Winfrey. So, um, yes, I've been really, really blessed. Uh, I worked for the Oprah Winfrey Show and Oprah from 2004 to 2011 when the show ended. And uh, I joke around that my first day of work was the day of that infamous car giveaway show. Oh, so no I way. From news. Yes, I came from news. I'd worked at CBS News for a number of years. And I'm sitting there on my first day outside of the studio, and I hear all of these women screaming. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and I thought, what did I get myself into? But it was a unbelievable experience. I was able to work around and with so many smart, committed women. I was able to learn from one of the best in Oprah, and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Okay, so how does one get a job with the Oprah Winfrey show? I mean, what was that whole, do you interview with Oprah? How does that work? So what's interesting, I was, uh, I recently um, was inducted into Hall of Fame at my high school. And when I gave the, the speech there, I talked about how people need to realize that risk is not one of those four letter words to avoid. And you just need to put yourself out there. So the truth of it is, first, I sent in a note, uh, a note and a resume to the head of HR when I wanted a job there. And I got back a very nice rejection letter. I remember not telling anybody about that rejection letter. I put it in my drawer and I just put it out of my mind. And then I sent an email to my friends and family and I said, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. Does anybody know anybody who works at the show? Does anybody know anybody who knows anybody who works at the show? (laughs) And thankfully, I got a hit from that. And I had kind of dual tracked it because at the same time, I sent my resume and a letter to everybody I saw on the credits at the end of the show. You know how they roll the credits. (laughs) So I sent out a bunch of letters and it worked. Uh, And I got a call from one of the senior producers there and then came in for an interview And it was one of the most stressful interview processes I've ever had. I must have interviewed with 10 different women. I did not interview with Oprah at the time, which was uh, probably good because I probably would have fainted. Um, (laughs) But it it worked out and I ended up working there for, for seven years, which was great. So from 2004 to the end of the show. 
Okay. Now, what were some of the most important lessons? You talked about what you learned. What did you learn from working on that show? And what did you learn about yourself during that time? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I, you've probably all heard this before, but uh, that everybody has a story and that everybody's story is worth telling. I think also that um, it is okay and necessary to forgive oneself. Uh, we worked on a couple of different shows where people were just stuck in this loop of blame and needed to be forgiven, needed to forgive themselves and realize that a mistake or a series of mistakes don't need to define you. And it was through other people's journey of, of forgiveness that we were able to basically help a lot of other people forgive themselves. You know, I also, there were also lighter moments. I also learned, frankly, how life-changing a good bra could be. <laughs> My team worked on the, on the bra makeover show and wouldn't think it, but the way that women's um, opinion of themselves changed when they had a good fitting bra was, was something to see, something to see. Uh, so it was, it was, it was incredible. It was incredible. It's something that I look back to and still have really dear friends from that period um, as a life-changing experience in many ways. Okay. So after experiencing, you know, the high level of success with that show, was it difficult for you yes. to move on to the next chapter in your life? Yes and no. If the show would have continued, I would have stayed for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but with the show ending, we had an opportunity to stay on and, and work for the studio for other programs. But it was one of those moments where I had an opportunity to ask myself, okay, is this what I want to continue doing? Or is this an opportunity to try something new? And when I had graduated from college, I was torn between going into politics or going into uh, broadcast news. And so it was a nice opportunity to, to really think about whether it was a chance to pursue that other part of my, my passion. And 2011 was the period where President Obama's reelection campaign was getting started. It was based out of Chicago, where I live. And it was also the time where um, we were starting to, to, to hear some really personal attacks against him. And I really believed in him and, and his vision. And so decided to, to transfer to, to politics. And so it was a nice, it was a nice opportunity to do something new and another life changing experience and something I'm really proud of. Okay. So you go from Oprah Winfrey to president Obama. And that was, like you said, yeah. it was life changing. Both experiences were life changing. Yeah. Sure. What was your biggest takeaway with working with Obama? That good people can end up on top and that hard work can pay off. Um, you know, that, that campaign was tough. President Obama, that's not a name that we had obviously heard uh, before in, in that particular office uh, for the 43 presidents that came before him. Um, and it was something that brought together people from across this country, from different backgrounds, working towards a common goal, uh, though there was a lot to worry about as far as where our country was. It was also a period where we could feel proud 
of, of people working towards a common good. All right, good. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. On the phone with me now is Clotilde Ewing. The title of the new book that we're going to talk about in a second is Stella and the Mystery of the Missing Tooth. We'll talk about that in just one second here. For more information on our guests, more information on the show, you can like, follow, and share on social media, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rodney Lear on Air. Or you can listen to the show anytime you like. Head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Now, tell us about your role with the Chicago Trust. What are you doing there? And tell us about that role, if you will. Right. So um, I transitioned from politics to nonprofit work. So I lead the Chicago Community Trust communications team. So the mm-hmm. Chicago Community Trust is a community foundation. There are community foundations across the country uh, that are really uh, dedicated to strengthening the community and strengthening the nonprofits that help to um, deliver important services to, to residents. Uh, our foundation, about four years ago, went through a strategic planning process and determined that the racial and ethnic wealth gap was standing in the way of the progress that we needed to make as a region. It was standing in the way of being able to really overcome some of our region's greatest challenges, challenges such as homelessness, public safety, education disparities. And so it's a um, wonderful organization working on really important work and working on this work in conjunction with government, private sector, uh, nonprofits, uh, and and really um, fulfilling and personal to me. Uh, I am a mother to two children, two black children, two beautiful black children, a, a eight-year-old girl, a almost seven-year-old uh, boy, and I I want them to have equitable experiences in this in this city that we live in and in this country. And so um, it feels as personal as anything that, that I've done so far. Now you are an author now, and the book you're here this morning to talk about is actually your second book in a series. What sparked your interest in writing? Yeah. So another great question. So I, uh, as I said, I've got two kids, uh, eight year old Stella and almost seven year old Jackson. And I was really excited when I was pregnant with Stella to buy books for her library. I always loved reading growing up. And along with the crib, the stroller, it was books, books, books. And I was struck by how few books there were out there that reflected the joy and imagination that I thought that that she would have. I was able to curate uh, a, a library for her through talking to friends and, and going to the right bookstores. But it was it was harder than I thought it should be. Uh, and then fast forward, you know, you're tired, you're sleep deprived, can't really think about what to do about that because you make it work enough. Mm-hmm. And then about five years ago, I came across an article uh, that was titled, She Wants More Than MLK at Bedtime. And it really did give voice to the frustrations that I had when I was looking for books for my own kids. It talked about how there wasn't enough diversity in children's literature and that so often the books that did exist featuring black characters were about books about our history, books about um, black excellence, about struggle, 
about overcoming. And while those books are incredibly important, we have a lot of them in our home. It is also important for my kids to see themselves reflected in books about joy, books about being kids, books that aren't heavy and that don't carry that burden. It's important for my kids and it's important for other kids as well, kids that don't look like mine. So I cut that article out. I wasn't entirely sure why I cut it out, frankly, but I cut the article out and I put it on my vision board. Um, you know, I'm one of those people who have a vision board. I'm not sure if I didn't work for Oprah, if I would have a vision board, but I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I cut it out. I put it on my vision board. I walked past it, frankly, for a couple of weeks. Again, not quite sure why I cut it out. And then I decided that I was going to try and do something about it. Mm-hmm. And you asked before about some of the lessons that I, I took away from working with Oprah. And I think part of Part of what I learned, both from her and from my own parents, is if not me, then who? And why not me? Uh, I obviously knew that it was going to be a challenging experience, but I wasn't intimidated by it because I felt truly called to do it and to try. Um, So I remember I sent a note out to friends and family with that link to the article and said, this is what I'm planning to do. This is why I'm going to do it. And I'm sending you this note because I want you to hold me accountable. And I want you to check in on the journey. And uh, so I got to writing. And about four years after I read that article, my first book, Stella Keeps the Sun Up, came out. And in a full circle moment, the publisher of Stella Keeps the Sun Up and my second book is the woman who set me on that journey, Denise Milner. She was the author of that article. She wants more than MLK at bedtime. Wow. She's wow. got an imprint. Yeah. How about it? That's amazing. Um, she's got it. It is. It is. She's got an imprint, Denise Milner Books, at Simon & Schuster. And um, we got connected. And she she saw Stella. She saw this character. And she saw the need. She's a mom of two girls who are older now. They're... Um, college and and right out of college. Um, But she got it. She got it. And this imprint is all about celebrating black joy and all about celebrating belonging. Um, Again, no shade. It's really important to talk about our history and to understand whose shoulders we stand on. Uh, But it's also important to, to celebrate our joy. All right. And again, this morning, we're speaking to Clothil Ewing. The title of the book is Stella and the Mystery of the Missing Tooth. Now, when you wrote the first book, did you know that it was going to become a series? When I signed my first contract, it was for two books. Okay. And so uh, I did know that we'd have at least two. And then a couple of months after the first book was released, they came back and asked for two more books. So I now know that Stella will have at least four books, which is really exciting uh, because my, my goals were twofold. Number one, so that I wanted to put out into the world books that reflected our joy. And I also want the publishing world to, to recognize there's a market for these books mm-hmm. so that there are more of them out there. And, you know, my hope is that this is the beginning for, for Stella, that it starts with books and that we can transition beyond books to, to, to more. All right, there you go. Now tell us about the new book, Stella and the Mystery of the Missing Tooth. Tell us about the book, if you will. Okay, so 
This is a book about Stella and her, her buddy, Roger, who is a stuffed hippopotamus and very real to her, though maybe not real to others. And they are on a quest to find their other friend, uh, Owen's tooth. He loses his tooth. They have no idea how one loses a tooth. You know, you can lose all kinds of things, a backpack, a hat, a mitten, um, but a tooth. So they go on this adventure to try and find Owen's tooth, uh, only to figure out it, it fell out. You know, it's one of those things where who even came up with the term, I lost my tooth, if you know where it is all along. Um, and so I, I just had the opportunity to travel to Atlanta. I just got back. Uh, I was there and read to to students at three different schools and at this wonderful um, bookstore, Brave and Kind, which is a Black-owned bookstore there, and uh, got a wonderful reception from, from all the kids, which is, which is great. You're a little, a little nervous going in because kids are brutally honest. They'll mm-hmm. tell you if they're not funny. Um, <laughs> but they, they laughed and uh, had a lot of great questions. All right, so you talked about this. Um, let's, you just mentioned this, but the feedback. Let's talk about the feedback. You sent out those letters, and you asked people to hold you accountable. What's the feedback yeah. now from the books? The feedback's been great. The feedback's been great. Uh, so for Stella Keeps the Sun Up, uh, I've had a number of great testimonials from parents and kids. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on Instagram, and so I've had so many people – message me with pictures of their beautiful children holding up the book, pictures of, of little Stella's holding up the book. Um, this woman in Australia sent me a picture of her daughter dressed up uh, as Stella with a, with a Roger doll in her backpack. And it was, it was you know, kind of um, gratifying for me in a way because this beautiful little girl. Uh, she's Asian. Her mom tried to do the Afro puffs and couldn't quite figure out the Afro puffs, uh, <laughs> but had her in the tutu and all of that. And um, it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful because she thought she could be Stella. And I think about my own daughter and one year when she wanted to be Fancy Nancy for um, Halloween. And she dressed up as Fancy Nancy and, and she was excited, and then at some point, something changed. I'm not sure somebody said something to her. I don't know. Um, but I am glad that there are kids who don't look like mine who feel like they can be Stella, and that there are kids that look like mine that are just skipping in the streets, happy to be her as well, and, and happy to emulate that joy. Okay. Now, earlier you talked about how when you were setting up the nursery and you got the crib and you got everything and books were a tremendous part of what you were doing. What's your advice or what do you tell people or what do you do with your own kids in your own home to promote reading and how can that help others? Oh, great question. So we have books everywhere. We have books everywhere. I'm looking right now in my living room and instead of having pictures on one shelf, we have a row of books and we have them at a height where the kids can get them. Mm -hmm. We have a bunch of books set up in the kitchen. And I say set up, that makes it sound like they are neatly put away. But we have (laughs) books that are available in the kitchen. We have books that are available in their rooms. We have books that are available in in an office that we have. So they are they we keep books in the car and my my son in particular reads on the way to on, on the way to school. Um they know our local librarian. 
I think more than anything, it's about making sure that they have easy access to the books if you can. Uh, and that doesn't have to mean buying the books. That can mean getting to know your local librarian, having them get a library card uh, if they're old enough, and then they have that sense of ownership over, over their books. And then this one has probably been a little bit harder for me, but I have been encouraged by our local librarian and uh, booksellers really lean into what they love and what they're interested in. Uh, my kids are really big into graphic novels, which are, you know, essentially thinking back to, to when I was growing up, I'd probably compare it to a, a comic book, mm -hmm. um, but really into graphic novels. And I would love for them to transition, but they're reading, they're reading, they are understanding stories. Uh, if we go on road trips or even frankly, anything longer than 15 minutes, we listen to audiobooks. Those are so rich with vocabulary and storylines and they fall in love with characters that way. Um, so I would just say, surround yourself with books if you can. And the last piece of advice is at least what we try and do in our home, continue reading to your kids. Uh, they're never too old. Um, we've read a couple of great stories recently. We're reading through the Harry Potter series right now. Uh, I had never read Stuart Little. I read that with my son recently. Uh, it's, it's a great bonding experience. Uh, and also who doesn't like to be read to? Right. It, it does, it's not just for, for toddlers and babies. All right. Um, one thing that we didn't touch on that I do want to touch on is the illustrator for the book. Beautiful. Uh, she brings Stella she, to life. She really did. She brought it. And another Ohio native, Lynn wow. Gaines is mm -hmm. from Cleveland, which I just love. And that was not a prerequisite. Uh, for me, but I think it was just a sign. But uh, she did such an amazing job. Um, she is the illustrator on this project, period. Uh, and I feel so lucky to work with her. And I did the words, but once she got the words, she had to really think about, all right, what does Stella look like? What can help to really bring across her her joy and her energy and her 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 being um in that first book stella keeps the sun up it right when i saw it it's like i almost cried she's wearing this tutu gym socks and and ballet slippers it was great because who says you have to choose you can do it all you could do it all and she had this big smile on uh and she she brought it with the second book as well all right well, we're running out of time. I know you have to go. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. If our listeners, if they would like to find out more about you, more about the books, more about Stella, how can they find out more? Oh, wow. Thank you. So I, I have a website, uh, which is clotildeewing.com. That's C-L-O-T-H-I-L-D-E-E-W-I-N-G.com. And you can find out more there. And the book is available for sale. And it's at your local library. It's at your local bookstore. Uh, I'm just so thankful for, for all of the support and for the opportunity to talk to you today. All right. Thank you. Thanks for spending so much time with us. I really appreciate it. 
Of course. Thank you. We've been speaking to Arthur Clotilde Ewing. The title of the book is Stella and the Mystery of the Missing Tooth. Remember to find out more about the show. You can like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air or Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Like, follow and share there. Well, that's it for this edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. Until next week. Be encouraged. Listen to Sunday Morning Magazine no matter what day it is. Use your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear today.